welcome to the best podcast ever. This the is best. Mike Scala. We are best. It's Jalon Carter. That's right. And we are the best. As if you didn't know. Come on now. Yes. So we are the best. <laughs> In that kind of mood, huh? Wakanda forever. There you go. Uh, I posted a poll yeah. to Facebook, and the poll is still running. You still vote in it, but I did want to provide the results as of now, and we can give our own thoughts and analysis. So, word. Here we go. The poll reads as follows: Should ubiquitous sites like Facebook be considered quasi-public spaces so that free speech rights may apply, or should they be free to restrict the content users may post? What are your thoughts? Um. I think I think free free speech should apply. Um Yeah, I th- I think free speech should apply. I think the the issue that they have is when they try to manipulate the speech through algorithms or to fit an engagement metric Whoa. that they want to reach. Okay. Now we're getting advanced, but We'll get into all these details. So I think this is an interesting topic. Uh, but just so you know, currently the results are as follows. We have 40% who say that free speech rights should apply. It should be considered a quasi-public space. We'll talk more about what that might mean legally. But 40% say right. free speech rights should apply. And 60%, believe it or not, say it should be considered, as it is now, a privately run website where Facebook and sites like it are free to control the content. Hmm. So maybe, but I think there, could, it, there should be a mix there somewhere. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess to start getting into the legalities behind this, the basic right. principle Break here is that websites are generally privately operated, and Facebook is not an exception. And, and that's one example because right. it's such a, an omnipresent site. Everyone pretty much is on it, right, or feels like. Uh, but, you know, you can talk about Facebook. You can talk about Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever social network or, or, or large-scale site, even Reddit, has come up in this discussion. Um, but right. in general, right, these if a site is privately operated, and especially if you as a user are signing on to it and agreeing to their terms, they have a right to – set their own policies and say what's allowed and what's not allowed. So for example, sure. something like hate speech, right? Uh, you know, racist speech, let's say, for example, uh, might be protected under the First Amendment, uh, meaning the government can't punish you for such speech. It might be against the terms and conditions of a site like Facebook, and therefore they would restrict it or they could restrict it from their site if they chose. Um, right. So the First Amendment... You know, when we talk about free speech, we talk about the First Amendment to the Constitution, and that's as applied uh, against the federal government. The 14th Amendment technically is the one you would cite uh, when you're talking about the states, but, uh, but that's something called the incorporations. You know, maybe a little more complicated than we can get into here, but, but basically the free speech rights that we think about in our uh, fe- federal constitution and, um, and by extension apply it to the states – they protect us from government action. And when you talk about a site like Facebook, well, that's a private company. So that has nothing to do with the government on its face. And you know, right. so the most basic face, legal Facebook. premise here is uh-huh. that, that free speech does not apply to sites like Facebook, right? But that might not end the discussion. Um, because first of all, 
it, it might be too blanket of a statement to say free speech doesn't apply because Facebook will come back and say, well, wait a minute, don't we have free speech as a site? Mm. So uh, and it might be harder to grasp this concept when you think about the site as large as Facebook because you think about the speech of particular users more so than you think about Facebook as an entity having free speech, right? But, you know, let's say, and this is actually a point that was brought up by a commenter uh, on the on the poll on my, on my uh, Facebook page. Somebody said, well, what about my site? You know, this guy, he runs a site and people might want to comment on his articles or whatever he posts on his site. He said, doesn't he have free speech as the person who runs the site to restrict whatever content he wants to restrict? If somebody puts up a comment that he doesn't like or, you know, that goes against whatever terms he sets out to, you know, the rules of his site, or, um, you know, let's say you're running a game or any, you know, some, some, whatever kind of site you have, uh, shouldn't you have a right, a first amendment slash free speech right to set the terms and conditions of the site as your space. I mean, it's kind of like having uh, right. a house or a store, right? I mean, you're, My you're, space. You're, you're, <laughs> right. you're the business owner or you're the, uh, you know, you're the owner of that space, sure. if you will. So don't you have rights? And, uh, now, you might ask, well, wait a minute, I thought you just said free speech only applies to the government, so how does this even protect the owner of the site? Well, uh, what if the government were to to tell the owner of the site that they couldn't uh, do this, right? Whether it's a lawsuit, which is, you know, that would be the government if the court was doing it, or if it was a criminal prosecution, of course, that's the government action. So, so you know, so aren't you protected from the government telling you what you can and can't have on your own website? Um, but that opens the door to the First Amendment just being in play in some form on the internet, uh, even on private sites, what, you know, even if we're talking about protecting the rights of the uh, website owner. And that might lead us to believe that Facebook then has the unfettered authority to set its own terms and conditions. And when you sign on, you're agreeing to their terms, and therefore they have the right to restrict whatever content, uh, you know, th- that they want, whatever they want to do. And, and in fact, they do have, you know, guidelines on right. Facebook. So if you do... Uh, write something on Facebook that is, you know, racist or sexist, or you know, if you bully someone, you know, they have all these these uh, these terms that maybe some of some of the speech would be protected by the First Amendment. I.e., uh, you wouldn't go to jail or you wouldn't be sued if you said these things. But Facebook would be allowed to, uh, you know, remove the content or uh, remove you from their site for violating their terms. Um, right, and that you know that's currently how it is. But that doesn't. I think any and, other business has the same um, the same rights. Like say, you know, say what? Uh, restaurants, 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 bars. They all have the right to refuse service. So it's you correct. Know, I don't see it's much different. Correct. Um, but here's where it gets a little, uh, you know, a, a little little bit dicier. Um, the U.S. Supreme Court has recognized something called a quasi public space. Now, this came up in California. It's a very famous California case where uh, people were removed from a mall, a shopping mall, for engaging in some kind of political speech. And they said, mm-hmm. we don't allow that speech here. You know, this is a private business. We have a right to regulate what goes on on our premises. And, you know, we don't want this here. It's, you know, it's, it's disruptive. Maybe people don't agree with it. You know, take it outside, basically. And it ended up going to the Supreme Court and... The U.S. Supreme Court found that uh, California, the state of California, um, which you know in its own constitution it recognizes a, a broader free speech right 
right than uh, our federal constitution. So they have, they have an affirmative free speech right where in the federal constitution it's, you know, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. So that's like a negative free speech right where, you know, you know the, the government can't take away your free speech. The, the California state constitution does it a little bit differently where they actually give free speech. It's more of an affirmative right. So basically the California right to free speech is broader than the right protected by the federal constitution. But the, the U.S. Supreme Court evaluated this case based on the California law and said, well, wait a minute, the state of California and, and all states are within their rights to consider certain places quasi-public. In other words, even if it's a private business or you know private space, private site, um, it's a place where people go, they gather, they congregate to engage in speech. And they compared it to the Newtown Square. They said a shopping mall is the Newtown Square where, you know, people go and they might talk to their neighbors. They might uh, <laughs> engage in political speech. They might, engage, you know, have some kind of demonstration or political protest. And, and that's the kind of activity that people uh, are expecting to have. In other words, yeah, it's a private, private business, but it really feels and has the character of a public space. Um, right. Maybe not like a you know a, a store, but they said a shopping mall in particular because you know you're walking right. within the mall. There are a lot of stores around. It's it's like you're really out in public. You really don't feel like you're in someone's home. Like like you know you feel, you know you know what I mean. Like you feel like it's more of like a public place. Um, right. And so that kind of created this you know, legal principle called the quasi public space. It's it's technically private, but it has the feel, it has the character of being a public. And it's I, open to everyone. Right. And I right. think that a site like Facebook, now maybe not all sites on the internet. I mean, you could have this discussion because the internet is so uh, universal. You know, Maybe you might want to make that argument, but I think especially when you're dealing with a site like Facebook. I mean, again, the court said that the shopping mall in California was the new town square and people go there to engage in speech. I think that can be said more so about Facebook. Facebook is the new town square and Facebook is all about speech. That's really the sole reason it exists to, to engage in speech. The mall, you can make the argument, well, really, you're there to shop. What, do you do, what are you there to do on Facebook? Everything else is secondary. You're really there to, to speak and to engage in, you know, in, in expressive activity. And so yeah, um, but while it, it is private, again, it, yeah. it does certainly have the feel of right. the quasi-public speech. Now, again, this doesn't mean that um, you're guaranteed the right to free speech as interpreted or as, as guaranteed by the federal constitution. But it means that states and governments could, per the Supreme Court, uh, grant broader free speech rights than those protected by our federal constitution, uh, you know, in particular when it comes to a quasi-public space. So, so uh, there is a possibility that a site like Facebook could be considered, at least in a state like California, uh, a place where free speech uh, would apply. And I, I think that it sounds like it might have been what um, law enforcement was facing during the Occupy Wall Street protest when uh, the protesters occupied Zuccotti Park, which is a privately owned park, but it um, has to maintain a public, uh, uh, an open to the public type of uh, position to be able to be right. privately owned. Right. And so they couldn't really just remove them um, as, you know, as a private It gets owner. a little more... Right, complex. Though in New York, the law right. is different because if you take the shopping center thing in California, due to the Supreme Court case now, you can hand out leaflets, you can petition, you can engage in expressive activity, and you can't be kicked out. And in fact, some have complained now that California shopping malls have become unbearable because people will panhandle, they'll, they'll basically uh, harass you in the mall. Whereas in a state like New York, 
Uh, we don't uh, interpret free speech uh, that broadly in our state, and so shopping centers still are able to kick you out uh, for doing this. So you know, this does vary state by right. state. Right, right. Well, I think um, you could you could argue against. I mean, no doubt Facebook has become uh, ubiquitous ubiquitous to modern life, um, but ultimately, I think since your connections are person to person. You could probably argue that it's less public, um, true. Because you know, you definitely have you have to you're talking to people that are on your friends list. Now there are options to see other people's friends list, but your your main purpose is supposed to be, or usually is, right, to speak with people within your within your. But circle. then you could have a public post. If you make a yes, public post, sure. you know, do you have the expectation that? you're protected uh, under free speech law. I mean, it's, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a funny thing because our world is changing, right? So like when we look at these Supreme Court cases and our, you know, First Amendment law and these, you know, free speech uh, cases that have been going on for over a century, um, you know, most of these are decided kind of uh, in an outdated world, right? It's like, you know, you, you like, you know, there was a whole, when I went to law school, there was a whole class called Internet Law because our understanding of the law is changing so rapidly with these new developments in technology. But uh, when we right. think about the First Amendment, traditionally, historically, we think about speaking in public. And <laughs> we don't think about right. speaking through computers and through the Internet. So, you know, we could talk about uh, shop, you know, if you're in a shopping center, are you in public? Or, if, you know, the difference between saying something in the street versus saying something in someone's home or in someone's store. But what about saying something off right. Facebook? Because that's how most people are talking now. More, I think people are texting more than they're speaking to each other now. People are writing on the internet. Yeah. So, like, Facebook is our one of our primary channels of communication. That's how we speak as a society. And this is what I said. Right. Uh, I think there is a distinction to be made here between just somebody's website that they set up, which I think is more easily understood as their own private space versus a site like Facebook, which is so ubiquitous that, you know, when we think about giving speech culturally now, we think about a Facebook post or an Instagram post or a tweet. This is what we think about when we think about speaking these days, especially when we think about speaking well, think- in public, making making a public statement. You know what I mean? Whereas maybe in the old days, you you go to the town square, you get a crowd to go around, get gather around you, you get on stage, grab a microphone. You know what I mean? Nowadays, when you think about making a statement in public, you're thinking about posting something online. Yeah, I think I think there are a couple of distinctions there, though. Um, I think in that. In that situation, I think Twitter would be more of the the better example than Facebook, um, because it's basically everything is basically broadcast to the public, and it's it's an open conversation type of uh, platform. Whereas Facebook is not right. the, not exactly the same. Um, and then I think there are two two differences. You mentioned that you would think that posting something on Facebook would be considered more public, whereas someone uh, running their own site would be considered a private space. But I, I could see it depends on what type of site they're running. Mm-hmm. So um, a site could be something that is, you know, your public face to the world. And that could be your purpose is to to broadcast private thoughts, thinking about like blogs. Um, right. But there's a distinction between the person running the blog and people commenting on the blog, right? So, like the person running the blog says, and this was the this was the example that was posted to my poll. He says, "You know, I've got my own blog, I've got my own site. Don't I have the free speech right to put whatever I want on there, which includes deleting comments or not allowing certain type of of you know expression on my own blog from other people?" 
Yeah, but at the same time, if you're going under the the examples of some of the other things you brought up, um, if he's posting a blog, it's basically shouting into the wind, shouting out into the public. And if he's got comments that are open, then that means anyone can speak. So that makes it very public. It makes it like you're standing in a town square and just deciding to to speak to whoever's around. It's hmm. a good analogy. So I think what it, would that mean? I think that makes it a little different than Facebook. Well, whereas you have to have an account to to be able to comment in most cases do you have to okay but should uh, you have the i mean people do it but but should this be the case if if we're saying facebook even is a quasi public space if somebody comments on your own thread you know your own status and you now you you can now right. delete it but would it would that be seen as a violation of their free speech rights for you to delete their comment i don't think so I don't, but you I think, don't think but so. But you think that, I mean, that that's more the case when it comes to a, a small blog than on Facebook? Uh, I think I think they should be able to, to delete it. Like if you have your own blog, you can delete whatever comments that, you know, that you yeah, want. Yeah, but you just said that if, if we're comparing it to speaking in a town square, shouldn't that mean that the commenter can say what they want in response to your blog? Sure, they can say what they want, but, but then still the, delete the it, blog owner can delete oh, it. Oh, well, well, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. And, and that, that's, what, that's what we mean. I mean, obviously, if it's, it's tough to preemptively delete a comment or to preemptively restrict. Well, you can't. You have certain like, you uh, can, words, like ban words or whatever. But um, Yeah, you can do filters. You yeah. can also um, restrict certain IP addresses. Um, but I don't, yeah, okay. Uh, but it's not much of a legal distinction, they, right? Like it's, it's still, the, the, the principle here is, you know, should the person running the site whether it's a small blog or Facebook, um, or or a Facebook page, be able to uh, restrict comments that are left on that page. I think so. You think so? Have you have you seen have you seen internet comments comment <laughs> spaces? Right. Well, well. See, <laughs> if there were no if there was no moderation, right. it would just be a no big soup right. of racism, re- racism and misogyny. And, well, but I mean, okay. there'd be no discourse. But now that's a that could very well be a criticism of society because you are allowed to say these things, you know, and, and there sure. are limits in, in real, the real world too. Let's not, you know, trick ourselves into thinking that free speech is limitless. It's not, but uh, you are allowed to engage in most <laughs> kinds of hate speech in the real world. So for argument's sure. sake, why shouldn't you be able to, to do so on the internet? Uh, but we're saying that the internet no is just inherently more inflammatory, so it needs moderation. But, you know, if you were well, out in no. public, someone would be able to say these. Maybe they'd be less likely because they wouldn't want to be punched in the face, whereas it's easier to hide behind the screen. I get that. But but legally, right, you are I, allowed to say these things in public. I'm, I'm not saying that they can't. You can still say them. It's just that they can be deleted. You know, hmm. then that's kind of similar to you can say it. In, in, yeah, but in how are you gonna unsay it? You though? could just be punched in the face for it. <laughs> no, but yeah, but that's the deletion. That's button. the deletion. I mean, obviously, this is an inherent difference between saying something in public and saying something on the internet, sure. right? So it's it's tough to draw the the analogy because then they're not always gonna line up. But I think okay, most well, people I think would understand this? understand your speech being deleted to mean your speech being restricted. Like, I don't, I think it's kind of a almost a cop-out to say, well, you still were able to say it, it just was deleted. Because what if you posted it and it's deleted after two seconds? Did you really get to say it, you know? Yeah, um, but I think there, like you said, there are some restrictions. I think that could also be applied to, um, say, 
the newspaper publishes an article. Yes, exactly. And you you write you write a letter to the newspaper, and it's very it's very negative. It's very you know nasty. Um, and they do have a column where they where they print um, user letters, as you know. But they decide which ones they're going to print. Right. It was like they okay, decide. well, this is not appropriate for the newspaper. This is you know. So basically, they're, they're deleting your comment. Sure. Although. I don't think people are making the argument that newspapers are quasi-public spaces. I mean, newspapers are still privately Why run, not? or even if it's, you know, certain countries have their own state-run media, but still. But this is they, how we disseminate our information. This is the one of the backbones of informing our public. Right, but newspapers so, are still run by newspapers. You know what I mean? It's not like, uh, it's, it's not a place so where... So Facebook, so is no, Twitter. No, but, but, but these are... These are sites that are user-driven, though. So anyone can get on them, open up accounts, and start talking. That's not the case with a newspaper. Yeah, that's true. But they're still privately run. Right. I think I think we need to have some, you know, some common sense approaches to to things like this. Well, what um, is the common yes, sense? It's a private. I think the common sense says that this is. You know, a private business, whether it's Facebook or whether it's your blog, it's your private space. And yes, the intent is for public well, that, use. Well, hold on a second. Comments. Comments. Before you continue, that's kind of a little sleight of hand. I think you have to clarify what you mean because you just said whether it's a blog or Facebook, yes, it's, yes, it's your private space. But when we're talking about Facebook now, are we talking about Facebook's private space as a company? Or are we talking about the person who has a Facebook page, the user? Right. I think it's it's... That Facebook being open to the public, I mean, is is kind of lending itself to being somewhat of a public. It's a private space, but it's open to the public. Just mm-hmm. like them own, owning the owning Zuccotti Park, but the public gets to come in and use it. Right. Um. Uh. So I think we have to understand that you know there are there are going to be some limits that um, you can post what you want to post, but you know, when you cross certain lines, then it's going to be moderated. Uh, and that's depending on whose who's page you go Well, on. okay, so now the line now, though, is different from the constitutional line, right? Because this is what determines whether it's free speech uh, as protected by our government, our constitution, whether it's state or federal, um, and just the terms and conditions of that site. So, and that's where the moderation comes in, right? So is there a line, you know, is the line different? Is it the same line that's our, that's our free speech line or is it a line that's maybe more arbitrary or, or one that's defined in other terms? Well, I think, I think they both apply like the, the, they can't both you apply. Know, the in, the in life free speech rules kind of apply, can apply to Facebook as well. Like well, you can't really go out and, um, just start spewing all kinds of, uh, I mean, I guess you could. You could. But you know, people can. If you're on a public, if you're on private land, they can remove you from the space. If you're in public Whoa. and you're causing a disturbance, if, the police can. If, okay, move causing you causing from. a disturbance, but depends, right? It depends on what you say. I mean, so you 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 are still able to say things that are constitutionally protected, and if you're sure. removed from the space for being within your constitutional rights, then you could sue right and you have a first amendment free speech case that's not the case on facebook though right you can say something that maybe is constitutionally protected in other words you couldn't be sued for it or you couldn't uh get some kind of criminal penalty for it 
but you could have your post removed or you could have your account suspended from Facebook. So those are two different things. Why couldn't you though? I'm sure that that can happen if you're posting up something like, you know, threats, for example. Well, a threat is not protected against, by free speech laws though. Know. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, let's say something racist, some, you know, Right. Let, hate speech. Yeah, hate speech. That's, that's an example. And, and the reason why uh, I even brought this discussion up is because apparently this was a controversy on Reddit, and I think there was a, um, a pro-Hitler or a pro-Nazi subreddit or something like that, and there was a discussion about, well, should that be allowed to exist or should that be considered you know, a violation right. of the site and just taken down? And then you get into the, the discussion, right. uh, you know, basically, should free speech rights apply? Because you do have a constitutional right to talk about these things. And if someone wants to say they're pro-Hitler or pro-KKK, whatever the case may be, they are allowed by our Constitution to do that. Sure. But, sure. but, the, but that kind of speech may well violate terms of sites like Reddit and Facebook and, and Twitter. Right. Well, yeah, uh, Reddit has a, a big issue now with the subreddit, the Donald. And, sure. Um, a lot of the a lot of the Reddit users can constantly complain about the hate speech that takes place in there and why the moderators aren't doing anything about it. Um, but again, you're right. People can people have the right to to say these things, if, whether it's Hitler or racist things or whatever. Um, but if you're doing it on a, a site like Reddit, Twitter, Facebook then it can go against terms of use right and they can remove it now if you want to if you want unfettered you know an unfettered forum where you can just go crazy hate on it then you you know you create your own site and you've got your own forum and you can do that right so okay i mean and honestly i mean i agree with you i think that's the answer um but i do think it's an interesting discussion to have and some people maybe thought that i was saying that facebook should be treated like being out in, in the public. I don't think that's the case. Um, it's just, to me, it's just something that kind of gets the thoughts running in my head. I'm, you know, I just think about our changing sure. world and how when we think about making speech now, we do think about going online more so than we do in yeah. public. So should our understanding of free speech and the First Amendment uh, be changed by these developments? Now, somebody else brought up the, uh, the idea that when you log onto Facebook you are agreeing to their terms. So it's like a contractual thing because you're saying, right. you know, these are the terms and conditions right. I'm agreeing by going on the site. And there's a, there's a valid point to that. But uh, that doesn't end the discussion. And, you know, the examples I use, well, number one, if we're considering this a quasi-public space, like a California shopping center, well, then your free speech rights override whatever contractual <laughs> contractual terms they think that they've bound you to. Like, for example, if uh, a California shopping center puts up a sign on its window saying no political speech will be tolerated here. Uh, you know, by entering right. these premises, you are agreeing to our terms. And you go into the mall and you start handing out political flyers and they have you arrested or removed from the premises. Well, just because you saw the sign on the door and they, you know, they put the sign up, they can say you agree to our terms, but uh, you still have a case against them because the, the Supreme Court and, and you know, the, the law of California is that uh, – broadest free speech rights apply in quasi-public places like shopping centers, and they can't restrict your speech that way. Mm. Um, so the same thing could be said for Facebook if that was the case. And then there are also court cases that stand for the notion that when you sign something, when, when you know, even especially if you're not signing it, but like if they're saying that you signed it and they're kind of using some little bit of trickery or 
or deceit. Like, for example, when you uh, install software and they make you go through all those screens, like you got to hit next a million times, and it's like you're agreeing to all these terms right. that nobody ever reads. I mean, the, you know, yes, it's a binding contract if you actually did read it in a sense, but there are actually court cases <laughs> that say nobody reads that, and we can't expect you to read that or understand that as a layperson. You're just clicking next to get to the next screen to install the software, so we can't hold you to those terms. You know, there are cases like that. And especially especially right. if you're not presented with the terms up front. Um, sometimes it'll be tricky, like like maybe like very fine print on the box. When If you buy a piece of software, like like you go you go online and read these terms, but you're not actually presented with them b- beforehand. Or, or, or sometimes there have been cases where you've installed software, you, like you click OK, but the terms that you're agreeing to are beneath the OK button. So like you could actually see the OK right. button first. Of course, I've said that, you know, that those are not enforceable. With Facebook, it's been so long since I made my account, but I don't even know. Um, do they present all their terms and conditions before you make your account? Or is it just somewhere like you have to go to some certain page, some hidden page to read them? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't remember. Either. And also, they keep changing the um, terms, too. And I know for a fact they're not showing me the terms as they're changing them. I think it's a thing like where, well, you go here, you see what our current terms are, but they can change day by day. So that kind of stuff is legally tenuous, you know, if you, if you want to make the argument. Well, that, they, do a, they do alert people. Um, when they go to change the the terms, they let people know before they before they're changed. How strong um, is that alert? I haven't recalled receiving many alerts that our terms have changed. Yeah, you usually get it in a, a notice or an email, um, but you know, again, no one either they no one sees it or no one pays much attention to it. Um, but I'm pretty sure they yeah they do alert. I've seen others that come through. Okay. So. Still, I don't think but, most people read those terms. No, no, they they don't. And I think it's you you're talking about several page long contracts written in lawyer speak that, right, that are designed so that you're not going to read. Most of the public, it. yeah, most public's not going to understand it. Um, and I think, to me, I think that's already that's a whole other topic. <laughs> well, like but, I was saying, there are court cases and that you can find that that say just that. That come on, like you're, you're right. You're, yes, you know, on, on the one hand, it's a contract because the person technically agreed to it, but they didn't even know what they were agreeing to. It's like present, almost like presenting a, a contract in another language and holding them to it. And you could say, well, you signed it, you shouldn't have signed right. it, but you know, did they really? And did they even know? what it was about. I mean, you know, especially when they start doing things like hiding the terms so that you can't even see them unless you go to right. a special page or something, you know. So that's not, what I'm saying is that's not the end-all, be-all legally just because they have these terms. The question right. still becomes, are they enforceable? Are they constitutional? And, you know, and so right. forth. Right. Well, I think I think we should, you know, it's, it is a little bit of a different space and the law has historically had trouble keeping up with the changes in um, technology and internet space because things change on a dime. They, they you know, they change quickly. Um, plat- new platforms come up, new ways of communicating or new styles, whatever pop up. Um, but I think, you know, like I said before, Facebook or Twitter or whatever, you know, they have guidelines that are that are established. Or you know, if it's damaging type of speech, then mm. they should be able to change it. I think what's I think what's different than going out into you know a public space like a mall or you know a park and handing out your your flyers or your speech or whatever is the audience the potential audience is much larger on the internet right so when when you're spewing hate speech 
at the mall, 20 or 30 people might hear it. Whereas if you go on Facebook, Twitter or whatever and start and start doing this, you potentially have thousands to millions but depending on how it moves. It's also a more captive audience in person where you can actually walk up to somebody and shout in their ear. Where on Facebook or Twitter, you can just block somebody if you don't like what they're saying. Sure. Sure, you can do that. Um, but if it's if it's dangerous speech, the potential, the, the, the danger is more so of reaching like-minded individuals. Right. That are going to be either be swayed or want to be swayed. But who's to in say what's dangerous? And can you make the argument that it's actually more dangerous to silence the speech if you don't give them the platform to engage in this speech? Uh, will that cause them to create chaos? I mean, does that encourage them to actually engage in violence or, or you know channel their energy in different ways? Right. Well, with the internet, the, this the thing is, if you can't say it on Facebook, you can go and start up your own page, and you can post everything that you want to post. You know. Um, right. So it's not really that you're being silenced. It's just like people are like, no, you can't come in my home and say it. But right. you you can you can go and build your own home. Well, but, and, right, and, and, and that gets back thing. to the fundamental uh, debate: Is Facebook someone's home, as in? you know, Mark Zuckerberg or whoever, you know, Facebook as a company, um, or is it, do you want to say it's the home of each individual user who has their own page and what have you, or does it belong to all of us now? Is it the home of everyone? Is it a public or a quasi public space? You know what I mean? We, I think it's, I think it's similar to, um, I think, I think it's both. I think, you know, Such a it's run by Facebook corporation. It, well, it's run by, it's run by Facebook corporation. So there are, there are certain rules that apply that they set, but it's also your your space within there that you have control over what. But you still appears, have to follow what kind of comments it's being. Right, but, but you're still you bound by to, their yeah. rules. I mean, so it's it's interesting to, to well, think about it like, this way. It's kind of like the U.S. Constitution and the states, right? Like you, the states still have right. to follow uh, the U.S. Constitution. For example, when it comes to free speech, no state can. Uh, can have uh, free speech laws that are that are narrower than those, uh, you know, than, than what's allowed by the U.S. Constitution. However, right. the state can have broader laws, so it's kind of the right. same, kind of the same thing. Except on Facebook, maybe it's the reverse because on Facebook, when you have a private page, you know, if I'm posting up my own stuff, I can pick and choose which comments I'm deleting it. Um, you know, whereas maybe the Facebook right. terms are, well, no, it's got to violate our guidelines. It's got to be hate speech. It's got to be this. It's got to be that. Whereas with me, right. it's like, I just don't like the, the color of your face or your shirt. So I'm going to take off your, your right. comment. People could do that on their own personal page. You know what I mean? Um, right. So if we start talking about Facebook as well, a quasi-public space, we also have to start thinking about that, right? Like, like okay, so as a user, I'm allowed to uh, say what I want and Facebook can't get me for it because it's a public space. Aha. Uh-huh. But that would also imply right. that I, as a user, would not be able to delete comments I didn't like on my own page, right? Right. Well, think about it like this. Here's a, a, another way to, to think about it, um, where these two these two spaces can coexist. Um, and we'll go back to the home analogy, whereas, you know, there are certain laws set forth by the government. Um, and technically, it's it's all the government space. You can own your home. Uh, the government can come and take it away anytime. Um, and even the laws of the government do apply inside your own personal home. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know. Right, but free speech. And, but, yeah, and, but, and but, you, but they do, but they don't, right? Like, I mean, constitutional rights, uh, especially when you're talking about free speech, uh, apply, number one, to the government, not to private users, you know, as a general matter. Right. Uh, but also, in your home, you you know, you don't have to entertain any kind of speech you don't like. Like, if someone comes into your house and, and right. starts talking about politics or whatever, and you don't like what they're saying, you have a right to kick them out. They can't say, you can't kick me out of your house because I have free speech. No, you actually are well, allowed the same, to do that. Same with, same with uh, on your Facebook feed. Like if they comment some Correct. stuff you don't like, yeah, that's how it, I can delete that's how it that. Currently so, is. That's what well, I mean. More than that, though, Facebook that's what itself, I mean. it's like, Facebook itself could delete. I mean, they you know they, right. they're supposed to yeah. uh, abide by their own terms and guidelines, but they're not constitutionally bound by that. If they wanted to, they could start deleting random comments or just taking stuff out that they didn't like. If people started criticizing Facebook, yeah. they are allowed to delete those comments. They can do whatever kind of censorship they want legally, constitutionally. Right. Right? Because right. it's considered like their home. The question is, should it be? Right. Should it be considered more of a public space? And another example I wanted to bring into this is trademark. Um, you know, how companies will trademark their brand names and their private companies and uh, you know, it's their property, but there's something called trademark dilution where uh, if something becomes so common, so ubiquitous, um, it no longer belongs to the company as a brand name. It belongs to all of us, like Xerox is an example, right? right? Like Xerox, mm-hmm. anyone can say uh, the word Xerox because it's just, it's, it's, it's a diluted trademark. It's become uh, known to mean a photocopy and, uh, right. you know, you that's it it's it's done the, the, the you know it was it's become it's, a noun a it's verb right. it's just it's, become part <laughs> of our culture in a in a sense Adjective. even though it was, it's a private company and you know it was originally their trademark they can get you for using it now it's like nah it's it's it, it belongs to all of us and so you can make the analogy that facebook now belongs to all of us yes it's a private company but it's just so ingrained in our culture and in how we do things as a people that maybe our legal approach to it uh, might be a little bit different than it would had it just been a you know still a startup with with a very small user base. Yeah, um, I think though even in that example, um, if I were to use uh, Xerox's logo on something that I printed up to sell, like they could come after me for yeah. I'm talking about the using the their name. trademark. Yeah. So, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. These things. I think they're still interesting to consider. Yeah, it's interwoven, but I think there are still some. You know, there are definitely going to still be some rules and regulations. And then the, you know, the philosophy, often, and this was was behind the constitutional philosophy. I guess you could thank uh, Mr. James Madison for this one. But they say the cure for bad speech is more speech, and in theory, eventually. The truth, or you know, the right side of history, will prevail. So, the the cure for a bad guy with a gun is a good <laughs> guy with a gun. Well, well not necessarily. It's just more more guys. <laughs> so the <laughs> more guns. Well, um, but if, if if the cure for bad speech is more speech, in, you know, in other words, like let's have these discussions and expose these ideas for being bad ideas, as opposed to pretending these ideas don't exist. Right. Yeah, I, I I can I get that as well. Um, but I think you know people still should have the the right and ability to remove um, comments that are posted on their on their little space. 
mm-hmm. underneath, even though you know it's owned by a different company or it's become so ubiquitous to modern life. People should be able to. Uh, should Facebook be able to? Uh, I think it depends. I think there should be a limit. Um, they can't. I don't think they should just go in there and just you know haphazardly go after anything. I by think law, though, or should that just be them practicing common courtesy and maybe good business? Hmm. I. Hmm. It, it could be both. Um. Because there can be some damaging speech, like you know we mentioned before. I mentioned uh, the Donald um, subreddit and the whatever the one you mentioned, the Hitler subreddit. Yeah. Um, you know, when there's some definite negative, damaging discourse going on, then you know I think um, you know they should be able to. The company should be able to remove it now. The law. <sighs> it's a little different yeah. of a story. No, I mean because because the, then it then it comes to who determines right, exactly that that's you know, subjective, especially when you're talking about politics. It's, it's very subjective because right now, um, I mean, we we all know about you know COINTELPRO and how the government was looking at uh, and uh, infiltrating these uh, civil rights organizations, and at that time that was considered dangerous speech, right? And that's and they were acting upon, but, but, it. and that was my point about you know history right and then it was, it was martin luther king like the arc of history is long but it bends towards the truth um hmm. you know i was having this conversation with andre my campaign manager and he actually brought up the, the hitler subreddit and he was like well you know shouldn't comedians be able to go on here and, and start roasting these guys and start calling up basically exposing it for what it is uh, as opposed to just having it deleted and we're going to act like it doesn't exist and i think there's something to that idea you know, what if you want well, to? See, what if you tw- want to engage in a debate with these people? You're not able to do that. You're not able to expose the bad idea if they're removed from us, and we're not. We don't know how serious it is, how prevalent it is, if we can't see it. How are you going to? Well, there's also combat that, a threat that, you don't know exists or how big it is. Well, there's also the opposite of that too. Um, so if you go into that subreddit and um, they're posting up these this hate speech and you come in with some facts and you come in with some truth and you, you, you're debunking things and, you know, the moderators remove your your comments. Mm-hmm. So their, their you know, falsehoods are, are allowed to remain and allowed to stand so that right. you know, the discourse doesn't happen there either. Right. But, we, but, but, we, again, but what he was saying, think, though, was that basically we should have free speech so that the moderator shouldn't be removing any of these comments. The chips should just fall where, they, where they're going to fall and people just say what they want to say. Um, I think I think the the. In a, on sites like Facebook, Reddit or whatever, I think there should be some kind of um, possibility to to moderate those and especially if it's getting into questionable territory. Mm. I think that I think but you're that, saying questionable um, basically in check, terms of that decency, check and balance. Talking about constitutional questionable territory. So, but I think see, I think the difference is that check and balance we are we have in real life, and that's that punch in the face <laughs> that you're talking about earlier. And by the but, way, that's I mean, part and, of and our not, not, not in a funny way, also, but I mean, no, but, seriously, no, I, I, I get you because uh, there, there's something called fighting words. Now, this is kind of an outdated concept, even in our First Amendment jurisprudence, but that has been historically part of our First Amendment law, where they talk about things that you're allowed to say and not allowed to say. And fighting words has historically been a category of 
you know, the kind of speech that you're not allowed to make. And it's basically defined as the speech that uh, if you say it will typically result in being punched in the face. But not even that, that, I mean, added to that is when, when you know that that's a possible response, people tend to temper their speech when they right. know that there might be a, a, you know, some kind of a, a responsibility that they have to take at that moment, they're going to temper their speech. Whereas on the internet, there is, there is none of that. You can go in and just say, you know, inward this, gay people this, mm. you know, you know, immigrants this, and there's right. no, there's no possibility right. again, of being as we said before, face. it's easy to hide behind a screen and, and troll. That's what people do. They they incite, right? That's right. They, you know, they get off on that. Right. Um, but then you start to ask, well, should the law be different? Um, you know, regarding what you could say online versus what you could say in person because the repercussions are different. That's an interesting mm. thought also, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, like, like, like bu- let's, let, let's take think... bullying, for example, right? People are more right. hesitant to bully, at least a grown-up probably, <laughs> in real life because they might get punched in the face. And usually bullies are, are right. physically weak or, or what have you. you know, they're, they're trying to get you know, feel superior in some, some way that they can. But um, right. On the internet, it's so much easier to do. I mean, so you know, should should the law look at that differently? Uh, like, oh, wait a minute, you're it... cyberbullying. Cyberbullying—that's different than real life bullying. Maybe we should evaluate these things differently. Yeah, I uh, I don't know how much I, I feed into the idea of bullying on the internet as being something that is the same as bullying in real life. Because I on the internet, I can log off. You know, right. you can block that person well, you can't do that bef- in, in right, real that's what life I said before but even so like it doesn't stop people so it's the from... punch in the face clause yeah that's what it is like the punch in the but face that's, saying, the ba- but, that's the fact but, 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 but can you equate the punch in the face with the block because or, or, or not are we saying those that are those are analogous or are we saying that uh you know despite the fact that you can block someone that's not good enough because people still engage in this and are still very affected by this and you know we've seen people driven to suicide by cyberbullying they had the option of blocking, yeah, but, but it didn't stop the tragedies from occurring. That, that's that's very true. That's that's very true. Um, but I I don't equate the two. I don't think you know someone who can be physically in your face and and do something to bully you versus someone who's going to hurl mean insults at you on the internet or post negative memes about you on the internet. Now. Now, I'm not saying they're not damaging. Oh, right. so, so you don't equate well the two. So, so, so what you're saying is you think it's more serious for someone to say something that's bullying in person than it is on the internet. I think, yeah, and I think there are certain things, there are certain differences in, in um, what kind of bullying tactics they use, of course. But if it's more um, serious to do it in person, and yet that's not protected by the First Amendment, uh look at it on on the internet why you know why why shouldn't that be or or should that be what what do you mean so to to bully someone let's you know, let's say you're you're threatening somebody in person right threats right you know that that's not protected right. by the first so that's not free speech but if you do it on the internet you're right. saying it's less serious so should it be protected by the first amendment since it's less serious or should it still not be protected if it's said online uh, it should it threats period shouldn't be you know shouldn't be protected online or offline. But I'm just I think there is a there is a difference between in person bullying and online bullying. Um, sure, I've lived 
my whole life using the internet and you know cyberbullying has really been a thing this past i don't know 10 years where it's been this this big thing and i think that's i think there are many factors to but that it's because of social uh, media I, more you know, i mean you know, we we've grown up social on the media internet, sure social, social media is really more of a new are, phenomenon and that's really changing and people are living more life more of their lives yeah, they're living more of the live on li- right. lives online, right. and, and that's and, you know, and that's the whole premise of this discussion. The fact that we're living our right. entire lives online should that change uh, our understanding? Because, like I said, we do have the First Amendment and that applies to free speech, and you see this all the time, by the way, because a lot of people don't understand what free speech means. But I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter right. and Facebook and everywhere. Don't I have free speech? Don't we have free speech in America anymore? And that's people's go-to response right. whenever someone disagrees with them. They think that means that you're not allowed to disagree right. with somebody, which is you know, obviously not what free speech means. But right. we do have this thing called free speech. And when we think about speech these days, we think about talking online and on social media. So right, so I think you, start, you have to start asking these questions like, uh, you know, should our understanding of free speech uh, be adjusted or or be viewed in light of the way we actually make our speech today or or just you know there can be there you know there are some limits and some guidelines just like in real life like you know you can't you can't yell fire in a crowded theater um you know there should be some limits on on the internet as right. well but again that's the constitutional so, boundary fire in a crowded theater that's that's yeah. that's an example of speech that's not protected by the first amendment so that's not protected that's by free I mean. speech but right so there should be some things on the internet as well where you know okay look you've you've gone too far this is in you know perhaps in the interest of you know public harmony or whatever oh oh, oh, so you're saying that legally stuff on the internet might be categorized differently like our constitutional interpretation might vary based on whether it's said on the internet or in person if we already we already seem to do it in in real life um, what do you mean in certain instances like i said you, you you know Certain speech is not protected, um, right? But the, but the so speech that's not protected if, constitutionally if we can do that is not protected life. anywhere, whether it's the internet or in person. But I'm asking if the the line should move a little bit based on whether it's said online or in person. Mm, it depends. I think it depends on what what's said. Okay, so you do think then though that because we the are line talking be... two different mediums, right? Right. So but so the, you do think the constitutional line or the legal line should. Uh, be drawn differently based on whether it's said it on, in li- online or in person. Um, perhaps, yeah. I mean, I would need I would need a bunch of examples to see what um, uh, what they were and and what might be effects of each. But yeah, I think they can be a little bit different. Um, there are hmm. different things to take into an account, especially when you're dealing with the internet, because you've got, um, you know. You don't you don't have the punch in the face possibility. You also no have yeah. a you have a wider audience, so you have the potential for this to be um, to go beyond just your circle. It could go worldwide. You, know, you never know; it might get viral and whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You but know. you also have more control um, so over the audience and the content, and is easier. Not once it goes. Not once it goes viral. That's true. You no longer have that, that control. Where you're when you're in your little group you have more control you can just shut up you know what i mean and once it's not said anymore it kind of dies but on the internet once it's said if it's if it gets viral like you have no control over that anymore right so you, well you have so, more control i guess in the short term or you know over your own page or whatever right but if, if it gets viral yeah. then it's it's viral and, and and also there's the, the idea that 
once something is on the internet, it's on the internet forever. So you can delete a tweet, right? But oh, yeah, it's definitely. still there, especially definitely. if you're a public figure, you're someone who, who people are watching it. They're taking screenshots, you know, like you're, you're done. Um, yeah, and up until last year, a Library of Congress was um, cataloging every tweet. Yeah. Uh, there's also something called the chilling effect, which is part of the First Amendment law, which is about people being afraid to speak based on the, the law hmm. or the perception of the law. And, of course, that applies online too um Hmm. you know if you think that something is going to get you in trouble legally you might not say it and that's that's called a chilling effect and that's not good for us as as a society either we want to encourage people to speak Uh, it depends on what you're going to say as long as it's the kind of speech that I, i don't say that we agree with but that's constitutionally allowable i guess right because i had a i had a conversation um it was probably about two weeks ago on on the internet with it was on Twitter and um, I was responding to something and this guy responded to me I didn't know him he didn't know me and it had to do with um, it had to do with guns the gun debate and he was very pro gun and he was saying basically like you know taking that line like you know guns don't kill people um, you know this and that they, they they can't take my gun and all that and so after what was probably 30, 40 minutes. I was on a train ride, so I had time to, to debate with this guy. Um, and so we got to the point where he was saying that, you know, the the um, the Constitution says that I can bear arms and, you know, if they come and get them, then I can, I'm going to defend myself. And so I'm like, okay, so let me be clear. Are you saying that, you know, you would you know you're going to attack the government if they come and get your guns the you know the police and 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 so he let he basically outed himself saying yeah he would shoot the police if they came to come get his guns and then he realized what he said after that and like he deleted all he deleted his tweets yeah i've been in some debates like that also where a guy realizes what he says or or a woman and uh, and deletes everything, and then it looks like you're just arguing with yourself. Yeah, like he he put his last post was like, oh yeah, you, you I see what you tried to make me say that I'm gonna do this, and then mm-hmm. like I'm like, no, I just asked you a question. That was your response. Well, that's just and called then, winning an argument. Yeah, he deleted those. T- he deleted those tweets, and he didn't respond after that. <laughs> it's like yeah, because you're now you're on record saying that you would shoot the police, like. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, what needs to, what should happen in these spaces is they should, um, you know, government should uh, and politicians should, um, you know, look at these spaces and look at the, the landscape, recognize that there are some differences and, you know, adjust accordingly. Um, but it shouldn't be these you know 80 year old guys that's been in congress for for years who <laughs> don't even know how to use email and this you is the problem you can't legislate on You're something right. you don't even grasp and it's not just to be fair the lawmakers it's also the judges and the justices sure. trying to interpret this yeah. and, and again they're and they don't know what no, they're talking they, about you know their understanding of the world is outdated and they're applying the constitution and these laws that might have been written centuries ago but you know how the question is how to adjust them, how to interpret, you know, them against our but changing that, world. Isn't that the? Isn't that on on the um, 
the current politicians. Like the current politicians that are coming in are should be products of the of the modern world right. and should have these understandings and they should be introducing these bills and explaining why these bills need to be introduced they should be. or these adjustments yeah, need to be made. You're absolutely right. And that was something that I tried to do uh, when I was working in the state Senate. I was a legislative director and, um, you know, courts, for example, will look at what they call legislative intent. So when they try to interpret laws, sometimes they'll ask, well, what did the drafters have in mind? And they'll start you know, looking right. at like maybe the debate on the Senate floor or, or what have you to try to get a clue. Uh, so what I would do is right. I would be very specific where possible in the uh, sponsors' memos, uh, which, which which were basically book reports about the bills. Because you know how these bills are written in legalese, or sometimes um, you know, not not intentionally, but sometimes right. you, you have to write them in, in a in a lawyerly way or in very maybe sometimes in a very concise way. You don't want to write too much, but then some people might look at just the text of the law. I'm like, well, what are you really trying to get at here? Like, what is the purpose of this? Like, what, you know, what, what does this really mean? What is this really about? Right. So the sponsor's memo would right. be an accompanying document that wouldn't be the text of the, the bill or the law, but it would just be justification and background and history. And I would try, you know, the purpose. I would try to break that down as detailed as possible right. to provide some insight. I mean, number right. one, it it's, a, you know, a selling tool. It's, you know, when, when you're trying to get other legislators on board to sponsor the bill or, or to vote on your, your legislation, you want to have a good just, justification and rationale for it. But also, it, it potentially could be cited in the court case later. And I took pride in that. I was like, look, sure. I'm writing laws that, you know, maybe th- these will be debated 20, 50, 100 years from now. And maybe they'll go back and read my little sponsor's memo and say, ah, this is what they're trying to do, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it's it's... It's on the, the responsibility of lawmakers and people in government and politics to stay abreast of what's happening in the modern world. Like these changes are happening, you need to find out what's going on. Right. Like if you think if you think that the internet is, I mean, if you're still typing in a URL into the Google search bar, you've got a problem. You <laughs> Yo, should not be talking there about are kids any who do internet. This. There stuff. are I know young people who do this, and it's because. They didn't grow up uh, in a time where you just, you know, would type in websites into browsers. Uh, they grew up just with smartphones where everything was Google. So, like, they, they don't even understand typing in the URL of a website. They think you have to Google everything. And you, then those people should not be speaking on <laughs> or should not be creating laws governing the Internet. But remember, when we oh. talk about free speech we're talking about a constitutional question and yes you know states can interpret yeah. this and have their own legislation or even they can change their own state constitution to you know alter the understanding of free speech but fundamentally this is a u.s cost this is the first amendment to our constitution right so right the laws are one thing but uh we st- we, st- we still have free speech and free speech has to be interpreted uh, a certain way and, and right. our world uh, you know is is, cha- is ever changing but our constitution isn't changing day by day maybe our understanding or interpretation of it is and that's where the courts come in so you know all the laws right. in the world aren't going to alter I, that our judges have to be smart right. enough to know how to apply it and, and i think that's yeah that's what needs to happen i don't think we need to go and rewrite the constitution i think that would be very 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 dangerous um but yeah, I think that, like you said, the judges and the, the lawmakers and whatnot should be, you know, abreast of current situations. Right. And we need to continue having these types of discussions. And it's always interesting to see how people feel about this. And like I said, my poll, and I don't know, you know, maybe not very scientific, who knows, but thus far, uh, 60% says Facebook should be free 
to restrict the content users may post. So, you know, they're looking at it like, you know, freedom of the user versus freedom of the website, basically. And they're saying that it's the website's freedom to do what they choose on their site. So, yeah, I think there should be some kind of a a middle ground there. Interesting. So So. maybe on another show, we'll start getting into more about what that middle ground might look like. Uh, But we had a good hour, basically, uh, talking about this issue. Uh, A lot of stuff uh, going on here. Yeah. Wakanda forever. There you have it, guys. Just have... It's the best podcast yep. ever. The Got best. Some music going this time, best. you know, having fun. Uh, but let us know what you think. As always, I'm Mike Scala. I'm Jalon Carter. 